How many of you all appreciate these guys leading us in, wor leading us in worship? I, uh, especially if you can't sing, if you're not musically inclined. Uh, on behalf of those people, I'll just let you guys know we, we especially appreciate you. Uh, and, and I'm serious about that. I love to come to church and worship because um, it buoys me up, it covers me up. It, uh, it's kind of like the blood of Jesus. It covers all my missed notes. <laughs> uh, so thank you all, and thank everybody else for worshiping God so that uh, uh, we can... Those of us who... Can, is there anybody that's else like me? You couldn't carry a tune in a bucket? Yeah, Matt? Uh, I could have told you that one, but yeah. Don't we appreciate them leading us in worship? I mean, it, I, I don't think we can express it really, to be honest. I'm not being funny. Uh, it, it really means a lot to us to be able to come. And for those of you who are able to sing, not just up front, but for you to worship God and let us join in. It just it just kind of takes us and guides us where we need to go. That's, that's kind of the way life is, you know. It's good to hang out with good people <laughs> uh, that, that sort of cover some of your sins and, and kind of lead you in the, in the way you should go. So I appreciate that. Um, this is eternal life, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Uh, that is one of my life verses, and that's our topic tonight. And so... Um, at the last minute, I sort of changed direction, and I'll tell you about that in a second. But the introduction is still the same, so I'm just going to read the introduction, and then we'll, we'll take a turn, and um, I think we'll have a fruitful time together tonight. So the book of John begins with a reflection on creation. Uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God, and it talks about how they worked together to create the world. And uh, the idea was for man to join in with the uncreated Godhead and become stewards and to live life together with them. But John goes on in that first chapter and he says that, that they just couldn't comprehend the light and we preferred darkness. That darkness was not uh, a back alley where you might get killed, but that darkness uh, was more like Las Vegas with all the lights. Um, it, it's a darkness that looked like light. And um, so it's sort of like when unwise politicians gain power, the whole venture sort of heads south, and that's what happened. John talks about that. And um, fortunately, God was not vindictive. Uh, he didn't just wipe us off the face of the earth. Um, but he continued in history to give us every opportunity to join together for this great enterprise of the earth and, and uh, really co-creating with him more humans uh, to populate the earth and to be part of this thing that he was doing. But as we all know, that we were unable to do it. Uh, but in due season, John goes on and he takes us to the place where Jesus shows up and the light comes into the world. And the world can't comprehend it. Um, and uh, ultimately, we crucify Jesus. And so, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump into John 17.3, but a little bit of context before we get there. Uh, the situation is 
Man is separated from God. And John gives this introduction and tells the story of how we got where we are. But then up until chapter 12, uh, up through chapter 11, here's what Jesus does. He says, guys, this is the way it's supposed to work. (laughs) Uh, This is what a human being, Jesus was born as a human, called the Christ, named Jesus. And then when he came of age, he began to live his life like we're all supposed to live our life. So he says, watch this, guys. Come go with me. And uh, he heals people. He provides for people. He suffers on behalf of people. He gets down on his knees and serves uh, his disciples. And he says, this is the way it's supposed to be. Um, And they've all seen it. And then in chapter 12, this is the last six days that he's on earth. Uh, Chapter 17, of course, is part of that, that last, those last discourses. So in chapter 12, if you'll start, you'll find that there's a lot of things in that portion of Scripture. And I would encourage you to go back and read that and kind of maybe not memorize, but commit to memory some of the things that are there. I'll, I'll just read a few. Chapter 12, 24, uh, except a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abides alone. What a major truth that Jesus was, was first explaining to them, but he's going to go and he's going to die on the cross. And as you all know, that's a big part of what we understand uh, our call is to die on behalf of other people. Those of you who have been in the senior seminar know that it's called active love in the Brothers Karamazov, but it's, it's where we actively engage places that, that don't reciprocate love, but we, we die to ourself. Uh, and then in chapter 13, amazing all the disciples, he gets down on his knees, and what does he do? He washes their feet, and then he says, if I, your master, have done this to you, how much more should you all serve each other? So servanthood is a big theme. Um, in that same chapter, he says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Um, we talk a lot about the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, how it's their unity and their oneness. Uh, and then we are called into that later on. I pray that you may be one. Jesus said, look, guys, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then he prays, Lord, let them be one with us. And so what's he saying? He's saying that we should walk in the earth so that when people see us, they will understand the Father. They will understand what life is supposed to be. John uh, 15, 4, another important teaching in Christianity is that All of the good works, every good thing that we could ever possibly do is only because God's living inside of us. John 15, 4 is that portion of Scripture. And I'm just reminding us as we get started this year of some some important Scriptures. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you shall bear fruit. That's so important. Uh, Jesus was, was... coming and calling them to be reconnected to God so that the enterprise would continue as it's supposed to be. And all of these truths through this period, through this portion of Scripture, just re-emphasize that. So you see the life of Jesus, and you hear him calling them to the same kind of life, a life full of service, humility, joy, challenge, pain, and sacrifice. What a life. It's a particular kind of life. 
Um, it's the authentic kind of life that we were supposed to live. You look at Jesus, and you see what God intended us to do as human beings. So let's get on to 17.3, uh, that, that key verse that I want to key in on tonight. Um, chapter 17, if you want to open your Bible, you can, turn, you can, uh, can do so. It's just going to be this one verse for the most part as far as, as a um, scripture for um, focusing on. We'll go to a lot of other scriptures, but you can flip if you'd like to, but I'll give you the reference and you can write it down or you can go there. Um, but chapter 17, it begins with Jesus praying to the Father. And I, th I think it might be good to look at this a little bit. Uh, he prays that God would glorify him. And by that, he means raise him from the dead. I mean, this is just a couple of days before he goes across. And he says, God, glorify me. And basically, what he's saying is, God, glorify me that has raised me from the dead so I can glorify you in the earth. All right? Raise me from the dead so I can glorify you in the earth and here's how I'm going to glorify you in the earth. Pay real close attention. The way Jesus glorifies God in the earth is he redeems you. To glorify means to make bigger. All right? Now, we can't make God bigger, but we can manifest him more fully. So this is his prayer. God, I have come. I've lived this life. And now, Lord, raise me from the dead so that I can send the Holy Spirit and glorify you in the earth. And how am I going to glorify you in the earth? By living in every single person that receives eternal life. And then he says, so, so that I can give them eternal life. And then, almost parenthetically, he says, and this is eternal life. And what is eternal life? To know God and to know the Son. And so, so the great plan of what God desires to do is summed up in this. It's for us to know him, to walk with him, and to live life out of him. That's eternal life. Now, this verse is not going to hit you as hard as it hit me the first time it kind of opened up to me. Because when, when I was growing up in the church... Um, eternal life was basically talked about at funerals uh, or in the middle of a scare tactic that's making you think, you know, it's going to get bad down here. You better hope you go to heaven when you die. Eternal life was after you died. But Jesus is teaching here that, that no, there is a particular kind of life that God intended for you to live, and I'm inviting you into it. I want you to come into a life that is characterized by major, amazing works of blessings and giving and healing and, and restoration. That's what you were created for. But you've got to get a relationship with God if that's going to happen. You can't solve the world's problems. But you can introduce people to God and he puts everything right. So, um,
this is where I need to, to make a switch. I realize that I've said this a hundred times, and, and I don't need to convince this group of people that eternal life is not something we live later, but eternal life is a quality of life that we live now. And so I want to talk about three different things in regard to knowing God and this eternal life. Uh, but but I, 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 originally I was thinking in terms of, okay, let me explain to you three things about what knowing God is. Uh, but I don't need to do that. And so now I've got these notes, and I've got to do something with them. Um, and so, so here's what I would like to do. We're going to go through um, three different points about this life. But I want you to think in these terms. I think there's probably still a lot of people out there who do not understand what knowing God is. That walking with Him really changes life now it's a completely new life inside of us so i'm going to go through these three points and i want you to think in terms of sharing with other people about what life in god truly is think about people who they hope they go to heaven when they die and that's about as far as their religion goes and they think that's eternal life and think about introducing people to this radical new way of existence about being restored to true humanity and not living tossed to and fro uh, by this chaotic world in which we live. And so if you can do that, I think maybe it'll be helpful tonight. So the first one that uh, about this life, this knowing God, and sometimes I don't, I don't think we really believe this, but it truly is a new life. It is a completely different existence. Um, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. This whole idea of a completely new being is, at least doctrinally or theologically, uh, explained by Paul in his letters a lot. Uh, he really works to help people understand, listen, you're not taking on a new religion. You're not telling people to decide to follow God and keep the commandments. What you're doing is reconnecting them to God himself who will birth them again, and there will be a whole new life inside of them that they will need to learn to cultivate and live out of. You know, sometimes I think when we're trying to help other people come to God, it's kind of like, well, I don't want them to go to hell. Uh, well, I want them to come to church. Well, I would like for them to live like I do. And we don't really have this, this, this understanding that, that they need to come into relationship with the Almighty God who will do something inside of them that will take care of everything else. Paul says it in several places. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, we quote that a lot. We know it a lot for ourselves. But do you really have a sense when you're at work, when you're talking to your neighbor, uh, when you're going through the line that, that this person is dead and they're miserable and they need to come to life? I don't have an answer to their particular problem, I have an answer to all of their problems. 
I can introduce them and bring them back to life. I, I will forever almost cry when I mention the name of Charlie Papp. Uh, Charlie Papp was my, what was he? What's he called? What? He, he, he was my colorectal surgeon. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't remember the name. Uh, but uh, he's a real cut-up. Uh, he, he took out eight inches of my colon. And uh, he took my appendix with it. And they sent it off. And uh, lo and behold, they'd done, they'd done a biopsy in the office, and it was fine. But when the report came back, uh, he had taken out cancerous cells, and he didn't know it. I would be miserable today if it wasn't for Charlie. I would be dead or dying, and it is a slow, hard death. Charlie changed my life. He didn't just make me feel better. <laughs> he didn't, uh, you know, give me a new regimen to follow. He saved my life. You have the opportunity. People are eaten up with sin. And I'm not talking about eaten up with doing bad things. They're eaten up with a miserable life. Continuing to, continuing to do stupid things that ruin their lives and the lives of people around them. And we have the opportunity to introduce them to new life. Paul says, it's not circumcision or uncircumcision, but it is and this is Galatians 6.15. It's becoming a new creation. A new creation. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. Ephesians 2.6 says that we are raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The Old Testament, of course, that's where God was giving man opportunity to, to live in this darkness, to live in this separation from him. Um, there are a lot of prophecies that look forward to the time when God comes in and, and rather than keeping the Ten Commandments to get to God, he puts the Ten Commandments in their heart and they begin to live toward God. I'll just read one of them, Ezekiel 36, 26. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of, um, I, I, I will, oh, I, uh, and give you a heart of flesh. And so, basically, in the Old Testament, they knew that, that it is very challenging to keep the Ten Commandments. They could not keep their nation together, even though they had the law. And Ezekiel said, there is a day coming when the problem is going to be solved. And here's how it will be solved. God will come and he will do an operation. <laughs> and he will take the heart of stone out of you. And he will put a heart of flesh in you. There are people all over America that are trying to live the Ten Commandments. There are people all over America that are trying to live their form of what they think is the right kind of life. Their form of religion. 
but they don't know what it is to come into relationship with God and walk with Him moment by moment, day by day. Remember, we're in John chapter 17. Jesus is saying, Father, glorify me so I can do one thing, so people can be birthed by the Spirit. And when they are, they become a new creation, and it solves the age-old problem of walking in darkness and separation from you. So it puts you in that place, puts us in this place, and where <clears throat> we're no longer separated from God, but now we're in relationship with Him, and His Spirit lives inside of us. And I find this is a, a, a very good scripture to share with people, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Originally, I was going to share it with you, but, but I've shared it with you so many times, so I'm going to remind you to share it with somebody else. It says, don't be conformed to this world any longer, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you could live your life in such a way that it demonstrates what God's will is. The words there, and I think it's very important, the first word, don't be conformed, is a word that has to do with culture shaping you. Don't be conformed to the world any longer. Before you were like uh, a bull led about by the uh, nose with a, uh, with a ring in your nose. Don't be conformed. That is shaped by the powers and, that are trying to, to, to cause you to become just a, a, a cog in the wheel a cog in the machine, but be transformed. And that word transformed is from the inside out. It's the word metamorphosis. It's like a butterfly. And, and to tell people that when you truly come into a relationship with God, He places within you everything that is necessary to be conformed to the image of God. Not, not some mystical being far off, but the God who walked the earth and loved and cared and made things right where they were wrong. It's like you can be inundated from the outside, but you can be infused from the inside. It's the difference between being shaped. And let me tell you, people feel shaped and pushed around, and they feel like they can't overcome the problems that keep coming at them, whether it's financial or social or uh, uh, mental uh, or, you know, family or whatever. But if you can bring them to the revelation that God will come and live inside of them and begin to shape them from the inside I've seen that capture people so many times. It's no longer, things are bad, you need to try harder. You need to become a Christian and keep these rules. No, my friend, you need to be born again. You're failing because you don't have the power. And if you are born again, you begin to walk with God who mentors you. All right, so let's go into the second thing about this, this life. Um, and I think this is, again, uh, I, I was going to share it with us, but I think we already know this. As we grow in this life, 
as we cultivate it, as we allow it, it changes what we value. It changes what we value. And again, I'll, I'll, I'll refer to Paul. This is Philippians 3, 7 to 11. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Now, now Paul was speaking out of having been a religious leader, uh, being prominent in his community, uh, and having become a Christian and been renounced for all of that. And uh, he's saying, well, you know, I don't care if I lost all of that. Wow. That, that is nothing compared to this life of becoming like Jesus, of becoming who I was called to be. And again, as you're sharing with other people, people are sort of captured in never being able to live up to what they hope they could live up. If they're wealthy, they want more. If they're powerful, they want more. If, uh, you know, if they're talented, uh, there's always somebody better than them. They're never fulfilled in that. But when we become sons and daughters of God, then we, we, we're at peace and we pursue that and, and we're free from everything that the world would try to shape us into from the outside. It begins to change. We no longer value it. This idea was also in the Old Testament, and it's one, another one of my favorite Knowing God verses. Uh, Jeremiah 9, I'll read verses 23 and 24. Again, we're in the second point, and we're talking about the fact that our values change. Jeremiah is speaking into Israel when they have been blessed and God has uh, just multiplied them as a nation, uh, but they've sort of forgotten and they've got wrapped up in the blessings and they're beginning to count on other nations to deliver them and uh, count in their uncertain wealth to, to deliver them from their problems. And this is what he says, <clears throat> and this is a direct word from the Lord. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, by the way, if any of this does apply to you, uh, you can apply it to yourself. But I'm thinking it's mostly uh, equipping tonight for you to be able to unravel the, the, the confusion in people's lives. Uh, let not the rich man boast in his riches. Uh, let, oh, let me start over. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Now, two things. The first thing is uh, that he lists the kinds of things that people trust in, and he says you shouldn't trust in that, you should trust in me. You should know me, and here's what you should know about me. You should know that I love mercy, I love justice, and I love righteousness. Okay, and I'll come back to that in just a second. So let's go to these three things that people trust in. Uh, the rich men, they trust in their riches. Uh, the mighty men, they trust in their might. And 
the, the uh, wise trust in their wisdom. So let's just talk about those a little bit and, and how if we're sharing with people uh, in, the, in the world uh, that, that may be kind of captured in, in trusting their wisdom. I, you know, one of the places that I think that we get caught a lot of times in, um, in uh, trusting in our wisdom are people who seem to trust in the wisdom. Does anybody ever watch Fox News? Anybody ever watch Fox News? Anybody? Confession time? Now for the deep confession. Does anybody ever watch CNN? Uh, Isaac. Isaac raised his hand back there. You guys look at him and boo. Uh, uh, if you ever watch either of those, they are so captured that their idea and their thought is what needs to happen. And if this will just happen, then America will return to where it needs to be and everything will be right. And then you get people who listen to that and they start mouthing that. And, and, and it's like, it's, it's no, no, no. If America turns to God, everything will be right. Uh, this has been going on for a long time. You know, the Republican Party is not my salvation. Conservatism is not my salvation. Now, I believe that there are ways that, that we should govern. I think uh, God has been gracious to us. But when these people get off on this political solution to life, they are miserable. And they're miserable to be around. <laughs> because they're always pushing this new idea that's going to fix everything. Now, you all know that, that I, I canvas, I go door to door, I choose candidates, and I support them. But when that becomes our focus, and that's where our hope is, it's only death. It's only death when we think that our ideas of government or health care or masks or no masks are going to save us. But here's the problem. The majority of people in the world are trusting in their own opinion to deliver them from whatever problem they're in. And they need to turn from their opinions, from their psychologist, from their counselor, from their uh, uh, financial advisor, even from their medical doctors, uh, from their pastors. <laughs> uh, put them all in there, and they really need to turn to trusting God. It's not your religion. It's not your politics. It's not your economic policy. It is walking in vital relationship with God that brings life. And that life flows into every, every other aspect. So that, that was the first thing I wanted to mention uh, uh, is wisdom. But then, um, let's see. It sort of reminds me of, of Micah 5.2. Let me just go ahead and read this. Later on, Micah is prophesying, and he's prophesying at a time when the north is going into captivity and Judah is sort of challenged. Listen to this. He has shown the old man what is good, and what does the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. To do justly again, to love mercy, and to humble yourself to walk with God. So again, it's coming back to, look, what we need to do is walk with God. 
And what people need to do is give up and become humble enough, become humble enough to say, I need God in my life. But I, I, this is the, the, the second thing I wanted to point out about that verse uh, as far as don't trust in these things, but you know me. Justice and mercy. Whenever God talks about justice and mercy in the Old Testament, what is he talking about? He's talking about what he's going to do in Jesus. This is where mercy triumphs over justice. And sometimes he'll throw righteousness in there. In the cross, God demonstrates his justice. Why? He punishes sin in Christ. But what does he also do? He extends mercy to us through that act. So this characteristic of God and the way we know God is we see the cross and we see what, he, what God did there. And so we shouldn't trust in wisdom. We shouldn't trust in might. We, we shouldn't trust in riches. But we should be at peace because we know God. And what do we know God about God? That he loves mercy and he's just. And he's going to deal in our lives in such a way that restores us to relationship to him, not by works of righteousness, which we've done, but according to his mercy. Let's go ahead and look at those next two, might or power. <clears throat> Again, in thinking about other people, it's, it's very hard not to trust uh, to, or to be at peace in the United States of America. We are the most powerful uh, nation in the world militarily. Uh, we don't have the largest army. Uh, the largest standing army, of course, is China. Uh, but by every metric, when you look at what makes a nation militarily powerful, uh, it's the United States of America, primarily because of our 10 um, um, aircraft carriers and, and the great number of aircraft that we could put on somebody else's shore. Uh, there's just nothing they could do about that. Uh, it, it, would be, it, it would be suicide. Uh, we're also, because of where we're situated, we have water on both sides. Uh, we've got friends north and south, and so we're not exposed. So America is in a very safe place. But when we begin to trust in our power, when we begin to try to exert ourselves to gain power, or whenever we talk about these wars that are going on, it is so hard not to think, well, we could, we could take care of them, you know. <laughs> we, 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 we could take them out. It's just hard to not think that way. But that's military power. But there's other kind of powers. Um, in, in the office, there are people that are continually politicking to get ahead. They're politicking to, to get in the place where nobody can hurt them. Does that make sense? And so we don't trust in power. We don't trust in our ideas. And finally, we don't trust in our wealth. And again, we are one of the wealthiest. We are the wealthiest nation in the world. We don't have the highest per capita income. I think someplace like Luxembourg or Qatar, you know, they get like 130 or 140,000 is their average, you know. I don't know what their rich people get. Um, but as far as wealth, uh, we have the largest economy in the world. 
And whether we know it or not, we really rest in that. And we really wrestle with increasing our own wealth and put our, uh, our peace, our hope in that. And so when you're sharing with other people, you just need to know this. Their hope and their trust, a lot is in their opinion. It's a lot in their place of security that they can create for themselves. Or it's, it's in the wealth that they have accrued. Uh, talk to people who are getting ready to retire, and you'll find a lot of times that the one thing that consumes them the most is how they are going to do in retirement. Hallelujah. When we get to that place, you know, I, I think the thing that should consume you the most is, is just really flourishing in the things that God's done in your life and being able to share that with other people. I appreciate the saying that my dad kind of picked up in his last 10 years of life. Everybody would say, how you doing, Bill? He would say, oh, I'm just packing my bags and getting ready to go. Um, he, he, he really gave himself over to seeking God and prayer. And I know he prayed a lot for us. So riches, uh, power, forget that. Remember this, God loves you. Live in the fact that God loves you. And you're right with things that be because of what he did. That's what you want to share with people. You don't want to share that he's going to necessarily solve all their problems. You want to share with them that they can have a relationship with God who created the world and he can, they can walk with him. So here's the third thing. First thing uh, was it's real. The second thing is uh, it changes what you value. And here's the third thing. It changes the way you live. It changes the way you live. Again, in sharing with other people, a lot of times their life's messed up. And again, in my mind, I'm battling against religion. We're battling against religion. Most people, when you come to them and you try to share with them about being a Christian or finding the life that they should have, here's what they hear you say. If you will keep the Ten Commandments, you will have a happier life. That's what many people hear when you talk to them about sin and being caught up in the destruction of this world or or whatever place they're in. But that's not what the Scripture teaches. The Scripture teaches that if you are born again, if you truly have a changed life inside of you, your values will begin to change and you will begin to pursue the things that make for love and joy and peace in life. It's not do these things to get to God. It's once God gets inside of you and you begin to cultivate this life, then it begins to change and you, you actually begin to manifest as a different person. Romans 6, 1 and 2. This is a great scripture to share. What shall I say then? Shall I continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? It's not quit sinning and you won't die. Die to yourself and come alive to God. And then doing these hurtful things... uh, both hurtful to you and the people around you, will begin to cease 
as you are transformed by this life that's inside of you. This is a hopeful message to share with people, and we've got to get past whatever religion has done to make people think we're telling them, look, be a better person and you can go to heaven. No, let heaven get inside of you, and it will begin to change you from the inside out. Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Uh, I don't know how many times that I've shared with people who, who are just miserable. Listen, man, you were created for better than this. God doesn't want to make your life better. God wants to take you and use you to make the lives of other people better and it comes to life inside of them this stuff is going on inside of people they know they're separated and know that they're struggling to hang on with 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 you know their health and their wealth and that kind of stuff but when you get past that and you get down into the reality of what they were created for to be like jesus it touches something and they come alive and we need to be able to share with people the gospel of the kingdom. Verses 4 and 6 <coughs> of that same chapter 6. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. And maybe this one's, this next verse is, is for all, all of us uh, rather than to share. It's at Daniel 11.32. And again, this is one of my favorite verses on knowing God. Eternal life is knowing God. Life as it was meant to be is in knowing and walking with the Father. Daniel 11.32. What's going on here is Daniel is prophesying into a period of time when Antiochus Epiphanes, who was uh, one of the Ptolemies, you know, when Alexander the Great um, died, uh, his kingdom was sort of divided up between several different groups. And one group was the Ptolemies, and Antiochus Epiphanes uh, was sort of the descendant of one of these guys. Not legitimately, by the way, but anyway. And so, in the 2nd century B.C., in a day when he's really frustrated, he goes into the temple. And when he goes in, he sacrifices on the altar a pig. And then he commands that the broth uh, be, be poured over the scrolls. And he makes the priest eat pork, and he blows out the candle that's supposed to, to be lit forever in the temple. Uh, but in this period of time, there were certain Jews who aligned themselves with Antiochus. But a large group didn't. Daniel was looking forward into this period of time. And he, here's what he says. Here's the prophecy. This is what God says. In that day, if you know God, you will be strong and you will do amazing things. But if you don't know God, 
you will be led away by flatteries. And flattery is this. I say something to you that may or may not be true, but it's only to get you to act like I want you to act. I think this is a very important verse for us to understand. If we know God, if we're walking in vital relationship with Him, we are going to be strong. We are going to be able to stand in this time and to turn people back into relationship with God, to live the life that they were created to live. But if we do wickedly against the covenant, if we don't walk in this relationship with God, then we'll be led away by flatteries. You deserve a break today. Get up and get away to McDonald's. You know? Hey, wouldn't you look nice in this car? Wouldn't you be happier if you had this account that gave you these points? And so we get motivated by things that promise us power, things that promise us wealth, things that promise us that we'll be smarter than the next guy. And before we know it, we're living to all of those things. And we're not cultivating that fabulous relationship that God gave us and living and putting our faith there. Well, I kind of got off about we could share that with other people and brought it back to us, but uh, may, maybe it would be good for us to, 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 to rethink. Am I begin, begin, getting drug about by all the things, or am I really rested in God? And so all of this, I'll go back to where I started. The problem is in the garden, Adam decided that he could live independently from God. As he did that, Satan used the things of the world to say, here you need to be more powerful. Here you need more of this. Here you'll be better off if you do this. Hey, this will make you smarter. And before you know it, Adam was trying to juggle all of this, and, and the whole thing fell apart. But what was Adam supposed to do? I'll leave you with two things. There were two things that Adam was supposed to do, okay? The first thing was he was supposed to walk with God in the cool of the day. Evidently, it got cool every day. That probably meant the evening. But Adam was supposed to walk with God every day. I think that's the first thing that, that we need to do if we're going to be able to share this with other people is we've got to walk with God every day we have got to find that time no matter how much the bills need to be paid no matter how many kids need to have their diapers changed uh, no matter uh, what's going on at the office or what vacation is coming up we have got to find our cool of the day every day and we've got to stop and spend time with God if we're going to walk in life We've got to make a choice. We're either going to walk in life, that is through knowing God, and put our faith there, or we're going to get drug about by everything. The second thing that Adam was supposed to do is once a week, guess what? He was supposed to spend the whole day with God. If we're going to walk with God, we need to understand the patterns of life that he set up. One is to walk with him a little bit every day, to have a period of time when we meet with God. And then the second thing is once a week, we need to set some time aside.
to just rest in him and participate with him in the thing he's doing. Of course, we participate all through the week, but you understand what he was calling Adam to. And so that's sort of my call tonight. Two things. One, as we move ahead this year, let's think about the world and how miserable they are and, and how what they need is not religion, and they're stuck in religion. And, and let's come back and let's look at some of the things that, that might unravel this, this religion in their mind and help them come to a place where they, they really see, oh, it's about walking with the God who created me. That's the first thing. The second thing, though, is for ourselves. Let's, let's reconsider our cool of the day. What is it? Or have I allowed the world to just press in that I'm so busy getting done what I need to get done that I just, I've said, well, I'll get to that the next phase of my life. Don't do it. Back off of something and spend that time every day with God. And then secondly, you know, I'm not a, I, I, I'm not a Sabbath keeper in the sense that I think Sunday when it, the sun comes up and Sunday when the, we go, but, but I do believe that the Bible teaches the principle that we need to have times that we pull away and we just spend a little bit of an extended period of time with God. I believe that's what the Scripture teaches, so I want to encourage you uh, to get before God and let Him sort through your life and help you get to the place where you can walk in this amazing thing. So instead of just barely making it from event to event, when you show up at the event, you're like Jesus. Oh, everybody's running. You not got enough wine here? Poof, here, fill that up. Oh, no, people don't have nothing to eat. Well, boom, here's some food. Oh, you're feeling bad today? Boom, now you feel better, you know. That's who we are. We're not the person supposed to be the person. Oh, man, you know, I'm sorry I'm late, but, uh, you know, this and that. And, and, and I know it's hard to believe, but I promise you this, that if you will find the cool of the day, then you will become a source of life to others. That's what you were created to be, but it only happens as we spend that time with God. So those are my challenges as we get started this year. Spend more time with God, or maybe you're already doing it, but continue to do it. That's where our life is. It's in Him. So, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's go ahead and stand up. And uh, while they're getting a song together, let's have uh, two or three people just lead us in prayer. And uh, let's just uh, open our hearts to the Father, um, sort of relational prayers, and uh, then we'll worship.